Welcome to Coach Bennett's podcast, where every run has a purpose, where kindness is hardcore, where this is about running, and this is not about running, where every starting line is a finish line in disguise, where rambling still gets you where you need to be, where pineapple will never ruin your pizza, and the sodas, adult and not adult kind, are always cold, and where there is room on the starting line for everybody. I'm Coach Bennett. Thank you for letting me be a part of your day. Let's get started. Welcome to episode 37. Woof, 37. I don't have anything witty to say about the number 37. Maybe I'll come up with something by the end of this episode. But this episode, number 37, is entitled Recover Like a Badass. That's right. And I'm wondering, actually, as I say this, do I have to mark this episode as explicit? Does badass count as explicit? I don't think it does. You know? I don't think it's explicit. Badass. Right? Anyway, recover like a badass. And I'll tell you where my inspiration for this episode came from. Well, it's twofold. That's right. I said twofold. I'm being pretentious right off the bat. One, I wrote a newsletter Uh, about a year ago, Recover Like a Badass, that uh, predominantly had to do with sleeping. And the second reason is because my youngest is sick and has been unable to run for many days now and has been focusing on recovering because that is what she should be focusing on right now, which is simply healing and recovering. And I thought, you know what, this would be a good opportunity to talk about recovery. We seem to talk about the mindset and the physical aspects of running all the time. Why not talk about the in-between, the recovery part? Because I'll tell you what, great running is dependent on great recovery. So if you know how to recover great, you've got a better chance of running great. Hence, episode 37 recover like a badass. And I'm going to start exactly where I need to start. And I'm probably going to really follow up on this first one with a number of things that you're already doing. And that's kind of how I like to coach. I like to start with what are you doing now? And then we will actually try to do what you're already doing just better. See, I find it easier to work with an athlete and say, let's, let's start with the foundation of what are you doing? already. So now I'm not adding anything new to your life. I'm just saying, hey, you're already doing this. I'm going to give you a couple of ways on how you can do it better. And that will actually lead to your running being better right off the bat. So this has nothing to do with you actually having to run more or run faster or run more hills or run more speed runs or you know, run your recovery runs on a different surface. It's, no, it has nothing to do with that. You're already doing these things. Let's just do these things better. And I'm going to start with something that you do more than just about anything else, or at least attempt to do more than you do just about anything else. And that's sleep. Yeah, because the best recovery is going to happen while you sleep. That's right. It's absolutely essential to better running. I'm not saying you can't run well with very crappy sleep, but you'll run better with better sleep, which is just something that people need to understand. Now, don't panic. 
I'm not going to do what lots of people do when they talk about sleep, which is you need X hours of sleep. Remember, I'm not going to ask you, at least initially, to do anything more than you're already doing. So if you're getting six hours of sleep, I'm not going to try to convince you to go to bed two hours earlier or an hour earlier and get out of bed an hour later to get eight or nine or ten or whatever hours of sleep would be ideal because we don't often live in an ideal situation. I will say if you can sleep better and sleep more, that's probably fantastic. So if you can pull that off, wonderful. But I'm going to assume you can't come up with two extra hours or three extra hours of sleep every single day. But what I'm going to focus on is let's just deal with the amount of sleep that you're getting and make it better sleep. So I'm going to run off a few things that I, I talked about in the newsletter. I've, I feel I've, I've hit on a couple times, even in various podcasts, because sleep is something that I'm going to talk about and I'm going to talk about consistently because as a runner, well, you sleep consistently and it's essential to better running. So I'm going to talk about it. I mean, running is a very repetitive action and I'll tell you what, coaching's even more so. You know what I mean? It's... It's sharing information and lessons that you should know, and it's reminding you of lessons and information that you've had but maybe have forgotten or you're not putting as much focus on. So it's just a lot of repetition. That's what coaching is. That's okay, though, all right? Anyway, so let's just go through a couple ways that you can make your sleep better, okay? I, I, I phrase it this way, less booze, Better snooze. That's right. Less booze, better snooze. And what do I mean by that? Well, I mean exactly what I said. If you drink less, you're going to sleep better. Or I should at least say you got a way, way better chance of having a better sleep. See, alcohol does a number of things that affect our sleep. All right. I mean, the, the easiest way to look at it rather than diving into like all sorts of crazy words, just you, if, if sleep is like the ocean, okay, like the the best, most slumbering, deepest REM sleep is like just sleeping in almost a, 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 a an infinite depth of, of ocean. Well, when you've been drinking, it's like the baby pool. That's about as deep as you can go. So you're constantly bumping up against, you know, the hard floor of the baby pool not to mention when you've been drinking there's a good chance that that shallow baby pool has got some urine in it too i mean let's just be honest you just who knows i'm just telling you so you're not getting a good sleep you're in the baby pool you're an adult you shouldn't be in the baby pool anyway so that's awkward you know what i mean you're you're why are you even trying to sleep in the baby pool now that I think about it? So it's just weird. And like I said, is it your urine? Is it the kid's urine? I mean, who knows? I mean, they're all going in there. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Now, you may be wondering, what are you talking about? I think you know what I'm talking about. The point is, you're not going to get the deep, healthy, recovery-laden sleep, that deep REM sleep, that no-alcohol sleep affords you when you've been drinking close to bedtime. So if, you, if you're somebody who is going to have a few drinks and you want to have a better sleep, you, you're going to want to space out the time between that last drink and sleep. Hours, okay? Hours, okay? If you want 
as good a sleep as possible. If you want as good a sleep as possible, it's best to not have any alcohol at all. But I like to have some adult sodas now and again. The key is if I also want to have a good sleep or I need a good sleep, I just need to make sure that I'm not drinking close to bedtime. The closer I drink to bedtime, the better chance I have at a worse sleep. The further away I'm drinking from bedtime, the less chance there is at a terrible sleep. So I phrased it kind of funky just to make sure that you're paying attention. But less booze, better snooze. Another one is just remember to chill out. And what I mean by that is if you have the ability to sleep in an environment that's colder, and by colder I mean 65 degrees Fahrenheit, I'm not going to do the Celsius right now because I just don't have the ability to do it, but fine, if you want, I'll figure it out. I'm going to type it in right now. There's probably some Canadians right now that are wondering, why don't you know how to do this? We know how to do this. 68 degrees, let's see, is, uh, let's calculate. There we go. 18.3 degrees Celsius. All right, fine. So, If you can bring that uh, thermostat down in your house down to 18.3 degrees, that would be great. And and for some people, they think it's as, as cool as 63 degrees Fahrenheit is kind of the ideal sleeping temperature. So somewhere in there, 63 to 65, which is chilly for a lot of people, especially in the winter. A lot of people like to keep that thermostat at like 70, which is really high. And your body will actually sleep better if it's a little cooler. So we're looking at 63 to 65 degrees. Now, obviously, in the summer, it gets harder to do that, which is why so many people have, you know, it's a struggle to sleep well in the summer. Where I live in Portland, the Pacific Northwest, the summers are really hot now, and we don't have air conditioning in the house. So we're limited to basically fans, Um, but fans can only do so much. So the summer can be a real struggle um, for us to get good sleep which stinks because the summertime there's more daylight hours and it allows us to be more active and we need that recovery so you really have to set yourself up to put your your environment your sleeping environment your room in the best possible situation to be conducive to good sleep ideally we'd be able to get that temperature down to 63 to 65 degrees fahrenheit but a lot of times we can't So we'll usually make do with uh, cold cloths and having the fan on um, in order to um, alleviate some of the heat that can build up in the house. We'll keep the windows open because the temperature does drop at night. But what you want to do is you want to set up an environment where it is cold enough, cool enough for your body to have the best chance to sleep deeply, to fall asleep easily, and to stay asleep for those six, seven eight hours that you're getting. Okay, another thing is to um, let darkness reign, I believe is how I actually put it in the newsletter. Um, you, You will see better the darker it is in your room. So if you are in an environment, and I keep calling it an environment because it's something you should be looking at, your, your bedroom. It's, it, it serves, I'm sure, many purposes. One of them is to have a conducive environment for sleep. And a lot of that is going to be on you to create So what you want is darkness when it's time to fall asleep. So if you have a window in your room, 
you're going to want to make sure that you've got blinds or you've got a curtain that is thick enough that it's going to keep some of that light from outside, outside. Keep that light outside, outside. Do what you can to keep it from getting inside into your sleep environment, your little cocoon that you're building so you can hibernate overnight so you can wake up restored, refreshed, recovered. So think about how you can deal with blocking some of that light that's trying to intrude upon you and your sleep. It's the same thing with your door. A lot of times you'll have um, a pretty significant gap between the floor and the bottom of your door where an incredible amount of light can come in. So if you have roommates or family members that are going to be staying up later, maybe speak with them about keeping that hallway light off or at a minimum, maybe you can put some type of a um, like duster at the bottom of the door to block that light because keeping any and all of that light out is only going to, again, increase your chances of having a great sleep. Okay, and another thing to really help you recover is, again, we're runners, we're creatures of habit, is to develop a sleeping habit. Now, I'm not telling you that you have to, you know, have some type of checklist of what you're doing at nighttime, but if recovery is important to you, if getting a better sleep is important to you, if trying to find a way to get better runs happening is important to you, then this is something you should think about. And that's developing some type of structure to going to bed. Now, I, I, this is something that when I have done it has helped dramatically. It's as simple as there was a couple months in a row where um, about an hour out from going to bed, I would make some tea. I know relax. I'd have some tea. Tea is fantastic. I love it. And it would be some type of like a sleepy time tea, you know, like a, a, a nighttime tea. I don't even know what they put in it, but it, it makes me feel like, okay, I'm winding down. There's no caffeine in it, obviously. But it's something that signals to me after a week or 10 days of doing this in a row that, oh, we're, we're starting to get ready for bed. And I would do this I would get ready where I would set up stuff for tomorrow morning so I would not be going to bed thinking, oh, what do I have to pack for tomorrow morning or what is my schedule for tomorrow? What do I have going on tomorrow? So I would spend a little bit of time drinking this tea, looking at tomorrow's schedule, packing what I need to pack if I have to leave the house, preparing what I need you know, for waking up if I'm going to have like something to eat before I take off or, you know, cleaning out the coffee maker so I know in the morning I can just go right in. It's amazing how much stress relief is involved with simply checking in on tomorrow, today. Believe me, you'll go to bed and all of these thoughts that normally race through your mind of what do I have going on tomorrow? Where do I have to be? When do I have to be there? When do I need to leave? Where's my shirt? Where are my shoes? Where are my socks? How much coffee do I have? If you do this before you get into bed, you are inducing relaxation because the stress associated with all of those unknown answers to those questions that you're starting to ask yourself, they're gone. You know the answers. So what I would do is I'd have the tea, I'd go through kind of tomorrow, little by little, meaning the packing, the schedule, all of that good stuff. I would do the teeth being brushed, I'd take my contacts out, all that good stuff. I'd say goodnight to everyone in the house, the love yous, all that stuff, get into bed, and I would read. Not on my phone, I would read. I always have two books I'm reading, one nonfiction, one fiction, and I would read. I'd try to read from both of them, but if one of them was really pulling me, I would just read from one until my eyes got fatigued, until I got tired, until the habitual 
experience of getting ready to bed had signaled enough inside me of not only are we now getting ready for bed, we are in bed, we are ready now to start to fall asleep. I'd have hopefully the temperature at a chilly setting. I'd have the shades drawn so it was nice and dark. And I actually like sound. I like soothing sound. So I'm, I'm a big like ocean guy. So I would then have some light ocean noises and my entire body's now, okay, we're going to sleep. That's what we're doing. We're getting ready to go to sleep. If you're doing something different every single night, it's very hard for your body to understand what's, what are we doing now? Are we going out and partying? Are we going to watch a movie late? Are we making a late dinner? Are we just going to walk around the house looking for treasure in the couches and in the junk drawers? What are we doing? As opposed to, oh, okay, step one, step two, step three. This is the steps associated with getting to sleep. Step four, step five, step six. Oh, we're seriously getting ready for sleep. Seven, eight, nine. Okay, I, I can now calm down, relax, settle in, and fall asleep. So you're going to want to develop some type of a sleeping habit, schedule, routine at nighttime. It doesn't mean you're going to be doing it every single night, seven days a week, or I should say seven nights a week, unless you go to sleep. Some people have different schedules. Maybe they go to sleep in the day. The point is, it doesn't have to happen every single night for it to become habitual and to trigger what it wants to trigger, which is your body relaxing and getting into a state of comfortability where it feels okay to go to sleep. I'll give you an example. The reason why coaches have you do a warm-up do drills, do some strides in the stretching, um, shake your arms out, jump up and down a few times on speed run days is because we're trying to get you to understand this is not a normal run. This is a speed run. Yes, there are reasons why it makes sense to do some strides and do some drills, but you could do strides and drills pretty much every single day. The reason why there's a different vibe on a speed run day is because a speed run day is different than a recovery run day. We want you more focused. We want you to be prepared for what you're about to take on. It's the same thing as race day. Think about it. You go through a certain process, and it feels differently on race day, which is why when you get on a line, a starting line for race day, it feels different than a starting line for an easy run, doesn't it? Okay. Your body goes through these steps, the warm-up, the strides, the drills, all of these things, and it's suddenly preparing like, oh, this is not an easy run. This is not a recovery day. This is an intense speed run, or this is a race. Okay, I'm ready. Like suddenly, like the air around you is kind of like crackling with electricity, which is different than going for an easy run. It's the same thing, trying to get ready for bed, except you obviously don't want the air crackling with electricity. You you almost want the opposite. You want it like turning down and like just lulling you to sleep. And that's what a routine will do. And I'll tell you what, if you can commit to setting yourself up to have the best chance for a good sleep, you're going to have better sleep. It's the same rules that apply to setting yourself up to do a certain amount of things to give yourself the best chance to have a better run, the odds are you're going to start to have better runs. It doesn't mean they're all going to be great runs. They're just going to be better. 
they're going to be better runs. So you may still just get six hours. It may not be perfect sleep, but it'll be better sleep than what you were doing. It'll be deeper sleep than what you were having. It'll be more recovery-laden sleep than what you had experienced prior to going through all these things. And that extra recovery, that better recovery, is going to lead to better running. It's going to lead to just better days, better concentration, better focus, better moods, all of those things. So that's why I wanted to start with sleep because it's something you do. It's something you do consistently, I hope, and it's something that you can improve upon if the improvement doesn't mean more, it can still mean better, okay? So start with sleep. All right, you want to talk about something else that can help you recover like a badass? That's something you do every single day? Yeah, it's just hydrating. I know, it's so boring, isn't it? But it's not. And it doesn't, this is one of those things where when people talk about hydration, uh, as a coach, it kind of bothers me when the first thing people start with is, um, you need to drink X cups a day, like or X pints a day, or X ounces a day of water. And it's like, oh man, are we starting there? Why don't we start with, what do you drink during the day? Like, what do you normally have? Like for me, I start my day with coffee, or at least I used to. I used to start my day every single day with coffee, and I still would consider part of the start of my day coffee, uh, just every single day. And I would say over the last 20 years, it's it's probably been less than 20 mornings where I haven't had a coffee. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. But here's something that I've shifted in the last few years. I used to wake up, and the first thing I would drink was coffee. And I thought, you know what? I need to drink more water. So what I did was I said, I'm, I'm still going to drink coffee in the morning. I'm not going to say instead of having the coffee that I normally have, I'm going to cut it out and I'm going to have water instead. I just said I'm going to drink water while I'm making my coffee. So instead of having the first thing that I drink in the morning be coffee, it's going to be water. That's what I did. And it made a substantial change to how I started my day. Because I'll tell you what, the coffee tasted better after the water. Because here's the thing, when you wake up in the morning, and people don't think about this, and I don't know why they don't think about it, especially since it's in the name breakfast. Breakfast is about breaking a fast. If you slept for six or seven or eight hours, okay, you haven't had anything to drink, anything to eat in six, seven, or eight hours. Now, what other part of the day would you go six, seven, or eight hours without having anything to drink? Well, you shouldn't. You shouldn't do that. So why would you do that in the morning? And if you were going to go six, seven hours without drinking anything during your day, would the first thing you have be a coffee? I hope not. The first thing you should have is probably some water. That's, that's what you should have. So all I did was... So I'm going to have some water first thing in the morning. I, I mean, I, I didn't want to start by saying I need to drink more water, so I'm going to have 64 or 82 or 197 ounces of water. Blah, blah, blah. I'm going to have eight glasses of water, and I'm going to just calm down, Chris. Like, just have a glass of water before your coffee. The other thing that it did just by having the glass of water before my coffee, it, it made a point, and it was not even buried deeply in my brain. I think it was pretty on the surface of my brain. There was a point that I was making every time I had water before the coffee, which was water is important. Staying hydrated is important. I, I didn't need to have a chart 
that I was marking every single time I had an ounce of water. What I needed to do was this one action in the morning that said, hey, little reminder, dude, drinking water is important. And you know what I found? When I would start the day by drinking water first, I would drink more water throughout the day. I would pass a water fountain and say, I'm going to stop and I'm going to have a sip. If I had, you know, a water bottle with me and I was walking by a water filling station and my water bottle is three quarters full, a half full, a quarter full, empty, I'd fill it up. I always would keep it full. And I would try to drink more water. The days that I didn't start by drinking water, I would often not drink enough water throughout the day. Isn't that weird? Like I would, on the days that I would drink water to begin, I would continue to do a good job. On the days that I started poorly, I would continue to do a poor job. And I thought, huh, there's something there. When you start something better, you're more likely to maintain that betterment. When you start something poorly, you're more likely to keep doing it poorly. So I just decided when I start something, I'm going to start it doing it the right way. So all I'm saying is a little trick is start your day by drinking some water. And then what I did was I like having soda. I'm a soda fan. It's weird. I like Pepsi in plastic bottles, but I like Coke in cans. It's weird. I don't like Pepsi in cans and I don't like Coke in plastic bottles. It's so bizarre. But anyway, the point is I do like soda. But what I decided was, okay, if I'm going to have soda, I'm going to have a water first. And that led to a couple things. One, I got a water in, which is fantastic. And two, I drank less soda when I had a pint of water to begin with. So if you're someone who's going out to eat, usually put in your drink order. I always order a water as well. The key is drink the water because they'll bring the water first. Drink the water. And then when the soda comes, you'll just kind of sip the soda. And again, I'm not saying drink less soda you're just going to find yourself drinking less soda and more water if you start with the water. That's all. So hydration, it's a big one. The other thing I know that everyone's doing or should be doing is fueling. And I'm pretty straightforward on fueling. I think you should do it. (laughs) Like I'm not going to get into um, food pyramids and things like that for a couple of reasons. One, I'm not knowledgeable enough to get into the excruciating details that um, are needed to talk in excruciating detail about fueling. But I will tell you this, how well you run and how well you recover is not about what you keep out, it's about what you put in. So when you're talking about fueling, when you're, when you're setting yourself up and what you're going to be eating and fueling, you should be thinking about what you're putting in. That should be what excites you. It should be stuff that um, tastes good, that um, you look forward to eating, and you should be reminding yourself that it's what you're putting in. That fuel is what's going to give you that fire. Your strength is going to come from what you're putting in, not from what you're keeping out. So I don't want to hear, you know, celebrations about what you, you know, didn't eat. I don't I don't care about that. I mean, I'll tell you what, like one of the most popular questions I get from somebody doing their first run is usually afterwards they say, "Well, what should I what should I eat right now?" And I'm like, "Well, what do you what do you want to eat?" And I remember I was in New York City once and there was a couple who came up and asked me this question and I threw it back to them, "Well, what do you want to eat?" And they're like, "Well, you know, if if we hadn't run, we'd probably want to go out and get like a burger and a beer. And I said, well, why, why wouldn't you get a burger and a beer? What's the, what's the problem? 
Like if that's what you want, go get a burger and a beer. Don't ruin your life when you start doing something great. And what I mean by that is too often when people discover a passion like running, they think they have to change their entire life. And what I like to tell them is running will change your life for the better. You don't have to change your life. It's going to happen. What you're going to find is you enjoy running and running makes you feel good about yourself. And uh, suddenly you find yourself having a water bottle in your hand. Um, You find yourself reaching out to people to be a part of this or exploring different parts of your neighborhood or your city that you didn't know existed. Um, you find yourself challenging yourself in different ways and, and becoming more confident. Um, you, you find yourself feeling like you've been empowered, that you can, you can take greater risks, um, that you have greater abilities than maybe you thought you had. You're experiencing more success in your life. And once this starts to kind of percolate and start to bleed into the rest of your day, it starts to have you make decisions that, you know, maybe are only tangentially associated with running. But, you know, for instance, like with the fueling thing, like I know that, you know, having lots of green stuff and yellow stuff and orange stuff on my plate is really good. So I'll give you like an example. I love salads and that's a really great thing to have. So what I do is I love having a salad every day. So I'll I'll make a salad. That's just the first thing I eat. It's not the only thing I eat. It's the first thing I eat. But I eat it and I know it's just really good for me. And it works well with when I'm making, you know, spaghetti and meatballs. I love preceding that with a great kick-ass salad. I, I know that oranges are really good. Vitamin C, especially. Not orange juice. Orange juice is fine. I love orange juice. But having an orange is really great. And I know that vitamin C helps with recovery. So I'm finding things that I love And one of the reasons why I love coaching is because it kind of forces me to read up on different foods, and I love food. I think the mistake that runners make is they think that what they're keeping out and not taking in is what's going to help them become a better runner. And that's just not true. It's always about what you're taking in. It's always about what you're taking in. And as a coach um, of athletes that have been ages, you know, eight to 80, I will tell you this. Um, I'd rather you take anything in than nothing. So as far as I'm concerned, the only bad food is no food. Okay. I got another one for you that I'm hoping you're doing every single day. And that's laughing. I'll tell you what, one of the great recovery secrets of all time is laughter. If you want to recover better, if you want to deal with stress in a healthier way, and we'll talk about stress in a minute, but if you want to deal with stress in a better way, if you want to uh, unleash endorphins, laugh, laugh your butt off, be around funny people, put funny things in front of you, listen to comedy, watch funny movies, Surround yourself with people with great senses of humor and you will recover well. Laughter is one of the best things a coach can incorporate into his team's culture if that coach wants his team to recover as best as they can. Because I'll tell you what, one of the best things you can see as a coach after a really hard workout are your athletes just lazily sprawled out 
just talking and laughing. And anytime I saw that, I thought we just made this whole workout easier. We just made our recovery that much stronger. We just became so much better because we just worked out hard and now we're laughing hard, which means we're recovering hard. Believe me, surround yourself with funny people. Open yourself up to laughter. If you can do that, you're going to recover better, which also leads to dealing with stress, which sometimes demands you doing uncomfortable things like having uncomfortable conversations, being in uncomfortable situations, dealing with uncomfortable experiences. But handling stress in a healthy way will aid recovery because not dealing with that stress, which means that stress now is festering, will weaken you and will limit the amount of recovery and sometimes extinguish any recovery. Consistent excessive stress can weaken the immune system, can lead to sickness, and as a result can lead to injury. You have to deal with stress. And this is the thing. It takes strength. It takes confidence. It takes power. And that also means that asking for help when you're dealing with your stress demands strength and power and confidence. It is not weakness to ask someone for help. So if you're stressed out about something, simply talking to someone who can help. And sometimes that just means listen, hear you out, maybe give another opinion, or work with an expert who can help you deal with stress. That is going to help you recover. I mean, all you have to do is think about an area of your life where you had something stressful going on, and it was not being remedied, it was not being dealt with, it was festering, and then, whatever it was, there was some type of reconciliation or conversation or a toxic relationship was stopped or a bad job you left, a new situation was established, whatever. There was a clearing of the air and the stress, maybe not completely, but in some cases, yes, but even if not so, dissipated enough with a level of stress diminished and you were back to recovering. You were back to working on getting healthier or healing from whatever the situation was. If you want to run better, you have to deal with stress. I mean, if you think about it, running is a form of stress. It's a form of physical stress. It should be a positive stressor, not a negative stressor in your life, but it is a stressor, which is why you have to recover from it. It's the same way you need to look at the other aspects of your life. If there is stress occurring in your life, you have to recover from it. If you don't, you're doing the same thing as basically doing a hard workout every single day and running. How does that usually work out? I'll tell you how it works out. You either burn out mentally, physically, get injured, or get sick. Those are your four options. That's it. There, there isn't a good option. You don't work out hard every single day and unleash greatness in running. It's the same thing with a negative stressor. So if you have stress in your life, you got to deal with it. And if you can deal with it on your own, fantastic. If you can't deal with it on your own, fantastic. Be strong enough to ask for help. Because not only will your running improve, your life will improve. That seems like a good combo. You know what I mean? I think so. And again, it's it's going to lead to badass, kick-ass, big-ass recovery if you can deal with those things. So uh, this is, I think, the foundation for really recovering like a badass. Honestly, I think sleeping well, hydrating, 
fueling, laughter, dealing with stress. I think those are really five fundamental areas that everyone, everyone, every single day has to work on, has the ability to work on, and can make those stronger aspects of their recovery. You can learn how to sleep better, even if it doesn't mean sleep more. You can learn how to hydrate better, even if it doesn't mean you're drinking, you know, copious amounts of water. I think everyone can hydrate better, more intelligently. I think people can fuel in a way that makes you stronger and not weaker. That is about taking in and not leaving out. That is about more and not less. That is about enjoying and celebrating the act of fueling and not turning it into something that's a negative. It should not be looked at as a negative. It should always be looked at as a positive. I think laughter, incorporating that daily into your life is going to make huge changes, not just to your running, but to the runner. And I think dealing with stress, especially those negative stressors in our life in healthy, positive ways is going to allow you to recover as best as you can or at a minimum better than you were. And guess what all of this leads to? Better runs. Now, I didn't say all your runs are going to suddenly be easy. I didn't say suddenly you're going to be setting PBs all over the place. But again, that's not how this works. What you're always trying to do is make decisions, do actions, and put yourself in situations where you have the best opportunity to have a better run. And this is what you're doing here. It's not guaranteeing anything other than a better shot, a more likely chance that you're going to have a better run. When you recover like a badass, there's a good chance you're going to start running like one. And I like the sound of that. So there you go. The cool thing is we can dive deeper on any future episode on any of these. And if you have questions about any of these, send them to the mailbag because we're hitting the mailbag hard over the next couple of weeks as we get to episode, get closer and closer, I should say, to episode 40. Like 40 sounds like kind of a big deal. You know what I mean? I'm looking forward to episode 40. So we're going to have that mailbag ripped open over the next couple of episodes. I'm super excited about that. So send those in. You can send them into the address that's in the show notes. Speaking of show notes, I'll have a link to Recover Like a Badass, which is the Coach Bennett's newsletter from January of 2023 that really focuses on sleeping and a lot of the things that I hit on today. Also, if you haven't subscribed to Coach Bennett's newsletter, what are you doing? Subscribe to Coach Bennett's newsletter. While you're at it, if you haven't subscribed to Coach Ben's podcast, what are you doing? Subscribe to Coach Bennett's podcast. Check it out. Please leave a review. Please share it. Rate it. These things matter. I think I say that at the end of every episode. So if you haven't yet rated the episode or subscribed to the show or left a review, please, I'm saying please, come on, please, please, please do one of those things. Okay? All right. I had a good time. This was a lot of fun. I'm actually going to go for a run right now. Not a very long one, but I'm going to go for one, and it's going to be a good one. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of this community. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Recover like a badass, and I'll see you on that next starting line. Thank you so much for listening to Coach Bennett's podcast today. And if you're not already following or subscribed to the podcast and whatever platform you're listening, well, I really wish you would because it helps a lot. Also, check out the show notes because you'll find a link to Coach Bennett's newsletter as well as all the social media sites that I'm on. Places like 
threads and Facebook and Instagram and Mastodon and YouTube and even the artist formerly known as Twitter, whatever that dumpster fire is called today, you'll find a link to it because I'm on there. Thank you so much again for listening. And until next time, take care of yourself.